Hello, and welcome to the Bayside Sermon Series podcast. My name is Marcus Duckworth, Media and Technical Director here at Bayside. This week, we are with Pastor Dave Ritter as we close out our series on the book of Jude. Today, we are in verses 24 and 25, discussing no need for fear. We hope you enjoy our conversation today. All right, welcome back. This week, let's start with a question from the congregation. Uh, Now, if you're unaware, in the app, there is a button in the sermon notes down at the bottom that if while you're taking your sermon notes on Sundays, if something comes to mind, you want to have uh, a moment to ask a question, there's a blue link. Click the button and it'll take you to a, a separate window where you could submit your own question for the pastors to answer. Now, the context of this question is related to the two points that you made in the sermon. If you're looking at your sermon notes, be cognizant of what God can do and be confident that he will do it. Uh, This is Jude 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Now, for most people that have been around Bayside long enough, they should be able to easily believe in the first point, that God can keep us because we know that God can do anything. But many Christians still stumble with the idea that He will keep us. Um, There are times when Scripture has been misappropriated or misconstrued uh, to mean something out of context. Uh, Philippians 4.13 is a good example. Uh, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, in this instance that we're talking about in Jude, God doesn't promise to keep you from sinning. We are going to go through the process of sanctification as we mature in Christ, but to actually achieve the ability to stop sinning is not something that is obtainable in this lifetime. So to actually get to the question, when Jude says that God will keep us from stumbling and will present us blameless, is this a future promise or something that is for us in this life? Well, I, th- I think that we need to see it in context clearly. And the context is um, Jude's warning about false teachers who infiltrate the church, um, who lead people astray. Uh, they're manipulative, they're clever, they're greedy. And one of the consequences of, of their distortion of the gospel is they use it to justify their own immorality and lead other people into immoral behavior um, such that they set themselves up for for judgment. And that's all pretty scary stuff. Um, And I think what Jude is doing as he comes to the end of his book, he's had a lot of dire warnings. He's had, had, um, uh, you know, this section toward the end uh, verses uh, uh, 17 to 23 where he he basically gives us strategies for fighting against the false teachers. Um, and then he ends with this doxology, which is very unexpected. It's not, it's not kind of what you'd, you'd predict that he might do at the end of a letter like this. But the doxology, I, I think, is really intended to say, uh, hey, um, this is all scary stuff, but, you know, yeah, we're at war, but you don't have to be afraid. Because that's the kind of God we have. He's able to keep you from stumbling. He's able to make you stand uh, blameless before his throne in glory. 
and um, and he's powerful. He's he's got you know to him be glory and majesty, dominion and authority. Uh, now, uh, you know, before all time, now and forever. And I th I think basically what it's saying is, um, yeah, th there are these scary scary people that will infiltrate into the church, but you don't need to live in fear. Um, you, you need to be um, aware. You, you need to be ready to stand up to this. But you have a God who can keep you from falling into their error. You have a God who's able to make you stand blameless before his throne. And not only that you can be confident in his ability to do it, but confident that he will do it. And what we're really talking about here in context is what the reformers called the perseverance of the saints or what baptists often refer to as eternal security that those who really belong to christ well you don't you don't need to live in in fear that some false teacher is going to sneak up on you and and fool you and take you away from jesus or that the antichrist is going to trick you into getting 666 stamped on your forehead uh, those who are in Christ are secure in Christ, and he, he not only um, is able to keep you from falling and make you stand blameless before his presence with great joy, but he will do it. Um, and so I, I think we have to be careful, yeah, but to say in, in my main points, be cognizant of what God can do, be confident that he will do it. Well, it's not just a willy-nilly confidence that God will do anything I want, but it's a it's a confidence in his, his ability to to keep one who truly belongs to Jesus. Like Jesus says, uh, I know my sheep. Uh, nobody can snatch them out of my hand. And, and that's essentially what I think Jude is saying. Uh, but he does it in a, in a quite spectacular way with this, with this explosion of praise uh, to the God who is able to do that for us. So as we come to the discussion points, you've mentioned the word doxology. Now, mm. for those that may not be familiar with that term or what it means, could you give us a little bit more information about how it generally functions and what it means to have a doxology? Uh, you know, doxology simply means words of praise, um, and we, you know, we have we have a great example of a doxology uh, that many of us grew up with singing in the church: "Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him." Above ye heavenly host, praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. It's an expression of praise, and um, uh, and and that's what most commentators would would say. The last two verses of Jude are they are not a benediction. A benediction is a is a, a blessing spoken over people. A doxology is an expression of of praise. Right? I like the the uh, the phrase an explosion of praise. Uh, for God himself. And the purpose of using the doxology in this particular instance is simply to bolster our confidence in, in God, uh, to, to help us understand that, yeah, there are sneaky people who worm their way into the church, but this is the kind of God we have and what he's able to do for us. Uh, he's a God worthy of our praise. So the question from number one was that given the, the dark warning of this letter, why do we think that Jude chose the end his letter this way, uh, and what what comes to mind to me is, Je this is how Jesus taught. You know, he would say things that were hard to understand in earthly means, but then he would follow that up with words of encouragement. That it it was, 
yes, here's something hard, but God will see you through. This is the, there's there's good things coming from these hard sayings. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's genuinely what Jude is doing here, uh, because his letter is kind of dark. Uh, you know, talks about about some really kind of um, sinister people, and and in contrast to that, he ends by showing us the greatness of God and His keeping power. Um, and and I think he wants to leave us on that note, not cowering in fear of false teachers, but um, confidence that our God is able to deliver us from the effects of false teaching. And the second question, uh, your big idea, your statement was, we may be at war, but we need not to be afraid. Uh, looking back at Jude's letter, what kind of battle uh, are we facing here? And we've seen throughout uh, this, the, the main point or the occasion for Jude's letter uh, is a warning to fight against these false teachers. Yeah, in verse 3 is really the statement of the theme of the whole letter. You know, he, he encourages us to contend for the faith. And uh, we're contending for the faith in the face of those who would distort the faith and lead people astray. Um, so, you know, there's an extensive section of you know, kind of uh, exposing who these people are and, and how they operate. And then there's a, a several verses that give us strategies for, uh, you know, uh, contending for the faith in the face of, of their attempts to lead people astray. And, and then finally, this doxology, um, uh, helping us to, to really focus on God finally and, uh, and be confident in his keeping ability. Now, the, the original idea for Jude that he wanted to write, he says in verse 3 that it was eager to write about our common salvation. And, and I think that might play a little bit into that doxology, that here's, I had this, this goal, Spirit moved me somewhere else, but the Spirit brought me back to talk about our great salvation. And here it is in this, this doxology, this explosion of praise. I think you're right. I think that there's, there's uh, uh, certainly... In, in in the doxology, there are a lot of salvation uh, themes that are brought out. Uh, God's ability to keep you from falling. Falling into what? Well, in the context, falling into error, falling into the sin of the of the false teachers, uh, following them into immorality, uh, following them into their judgment, um, and and uh, you know how God is able to keep us from that. That's a saving work. And then to make us able to stand blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, that certainly speaks of the culmination of our salvation, of uh, the assurance that, that you know, in, dressed in the righteousness of Christ, we're able to, to stand blameless in the presence of God. Uh, that's a salvific theme. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think that uh, Jude, by, by coming back, and ending his letter with this doxology is really bringing us back to his original intent, what he wanted to write about, uh, even though he got sidetracked by the, the need to warn about false teachers. Uh, the third point from the discussion uh, we've already kind of talked about, verse 24, about what God is able to do for us. Uh, so moving on to, to question four, how can we be confident that God will do these things for us? According to verse 25, uh, what kind of God is he? 
Um, I think there's several ways to look at this question. We can look at it logically, theologically, historically, faithfully. But I think the common denominator for each thought path is that you must know who God is in order to have any confidence in his power and ability to save us. Yeah, you know, I heard somebody talking about how the gods of Greece and Rome were were fickle. You didn't know if you could depend on them. Not so the God of of the Bible. Um, you know, for one thing, he is described here as the only God. So there, there is no God but him. There are others who pretend to be gods, but he's the only God, and he's a saving God. Uh, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, um, you know, that speaks of the, the uh, work of the Trinity on our behalf, uh, the Father sending the Son to save us. And, um, and then he, he just goes into this, to, you know, to that God belongs all glory and majesty, dominion and authority. Uh, you know, glory speaks of the radiance, the trans, his, his radiance. Uh, majesty speaks of his, his you know, transcendent power. Um, he got dominion. Uh, well, that's you know, his rule over everything and his authority, his sovereign right to it all. Um, and, and so, you know, there's there's no God like him uh, who is who is powerful and and sovereign in his right to rule it all. That includes, um, you know, our lives as well as the universe in which we live. And he's always been that way. He always will be that way. Um, before all time and now and forever. And so, yeah, there's this, there's a sense of, uh, you know, in verse 24 saying, our God is able to do this. Oh, and by the way, this is what this God is like. You don't have to have any doubt about whether he can or will. If he says he will, he will. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, because uh, because he, he has all, all this ability, this power. And... Uh, he can't be denied. Now, question five from the discussion points uh, is a moment of reflection, uh, asking the listeners to read the doxology, verses 24 and 25, out loud, and if you're in a group, to read it together. Uh, what thoughts and feelings do these verses stir up in you? How do they help you stay true to Christ? And I would add to that, how well do you know God? How do you get to know him better? And as you, you think about those things and the truths that you read from these verses, uh, our hope is that it, he draws you in and you see that he is, he is there and, and wanting that relationship with you. And our hope is that we can help facilitate strengthening that relationship. Yeah, I mean, just to kind of do what question five encourages us, uh, you know, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Amen. The, the way that impacts me personally is I, I just am so um, grateful for the fact that I have a God who not only saved me, but he keeps me. And, and has kept me uh, for now many years uh, in the faith and 
uh, has has kept me from stumbling into error, has has uh, led me by His grace and in in amazing ways, and that uh, I get to look forward to a day when I don't need to be afraid of standing in the presence of Almighty God uh, because he's able to make me stand, not because I'm so great, but because uh, we have uh, a God who saves through Jesus and imparts to us, uh, you know, a right standing. You know, we're, he takes our, our filthy rags of the mess we make of our lives and he clothes us with the righteousness of Jesus himself and Man, what a what an amazing prospect to think that that one day uh, we can stand before the glory of His throne, faultless, blameless, and uh, and and rejoicing. Uh, that's something to really look forward to, and to live in anticipation of, and with gratitude for. Now, next week we begin First Timothy, and this one is going to last a while. We're in First Timothy all the way through August. <clears throat> So what should we expect in this upcoming series? Yeah, we're going to be doing 1 Timothy uh, that will take us well into August, and then 2 Timothy that will take us uh, partway into the fall. And, um, you know, I'm kind of winding down my tenure here as, as senior pastor at Bayside Chapel, and I just thought, you know, uh, how appropriate it is to end with these two letters where you have the old salt, Paul, uh, talking to his apprentice in the faith, Timothy, and uh, coaching him about how to go about his, his work as a pastor. And so in, in First and Second Timothy, we have a really good insight into the work of, of a pastor, uh, the life of a church, uh, you know, what makes for a healthy thriving church and uh, what what uh, helps us as individual believers to live lives that are are fulfilling and, and pleasing to God so um, yeah there you know Timothy the two letters to Timothy really hit on a lot of great themes and um, I hope everybody will make sure to be part of that join us on Sunday mornings all right well As we're closing our time here together, uh, we thank you guys for listening in and hope you've enjoyed our conversation and hope you had a blessed week.